is poor Bantha. A Bantha does not have a name. If you want one, you have to exclaim, Hey, you over there, the one with the hair. And the Bantha will come if it's tame. If I had a Bantha, I'd name it Samantha. N is for Nine-Num. Nine-Num isn't dumb. For smarts, he's very famous. Nine-Num isn't dumb. But boy, his silly name is... F is for force. For force is a power or energy field or some kind of skill just a Jedi can wield. It's something that's hard to put into rhyme. You can tell that I'm having a terrible time. Whatever this skill, only Jedi attain it. And since I'm not one, it's hard to explain it. episode of Blast Points and we got a special interview episode today. I am happy to be joined with a couple legends in the field of comics and people very well known to Star Wars fans. We got uh, Jan Durzma. Jan, you there? I'm here. And we got John Ostrander. I'm here. And Gabe's here too. I'm here too. Jan John, you both have been involved in comics for a very long time. What for both of you, one at a time, I don't know whoever wants to go first, what what brought you t- into working with comics, working in the field of comics? Oh, Jiminy. Back in the dawn of time, I gotta cast my my memory back. Um, well, I've always been a big comic book fan. And uh, my friend Mike Gold, um uh was the first editor of First Comics, and he knew I had been writing plays, and he knew that I loved comics, and I would love to write comics, so he gave me a shot at it by doing an eight-pager in the back of the first comics they were doing. And um, I did the plot, and then I redid the plot, and then I did it again and again and again and again. And he said finally, well, guess what, John? We're going to take it. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. Do I get paid for this? <laughs> and he said, yes, you sap. And um, that's how I got started there. And um, then I was doing uh, Star Slayer as well over at First Comics. I was doing, I, I began Grimjack. Uh, I did some other things. And then I wandered over to D.C. with Mike, did Legends. Um, uh, well, I, was, I, I plotted that. And then I did Suicide Squad and uh, Hawk World. Actually, Hawk World was Jan for a while. Mm-hmm. That's right. And the, and as I say, the rest is, is hysteria. 
<laughs> Jan, how about you? Well, um, I uh, I graduated college and uh, uh, with a fine arts degree, and was taking my work around and took it to a comic book store because I love comic book stores and reading comics and. Um, I was looking for a book on Frank Frazetta illustrations at the time, and I showed the uh, the owner some of my work, and he said, well, do you ever hear of the Hubert School? And I said, no, I never heard of it. Uh, I know Joe Hubert's work, but I, I don't know about the school. So I went there for an interview and um, went to the school, graduated from the school, started working on things like Sergeant Rock, um, uh, backups um, with Joe Hubert, uh, you know, teaching all the students what to do with them. Uh, how to do these comic book things, and um, and then uh, started working at DC, uh, did Arian Lord of Atlantis in the back of Warlord, and then um, subsequently uh, did a, did a book by the same title, and then did and worked on Warlord, and then um, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, and um, Hawkman, Hawkworld, the Hulk, X Factor, uh, Star Wars for a long time. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not too much, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just a little bit here and there. So what, what brought you guys, uh, what brought you guys working together? How did, how did that start? Well, we've known each other for, for a long time. But you worked with Tom first. Yeah, 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 I did. And, uh, and I worked briefly with you on uh, Wolverine Night of Terror. Right, right, right. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so we've just known each other. You know, we've helped each other move our households to different houses. Yeah. Uh, I actually transported rocks for Jan. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so we've known each other forever. I, and like and like she said, I work with Tom, Tom Mandrake, her husband first, and um, and so we all got to know each other. Um, and at some point, I got. Uh, a shot at doing a, um, a story arc for in the Star Wars comics for Dark Horse. My, uh, my friend, actually our friend, Tim Truman, was the writer at the time, but he was going off to uh, work on a special project, and he recommended me, and Jan also had samples in there, and I said, oh, yes, please. So uh, we got our shot to do four issues, and we didn't know if we were ever going to have anything other than that first arc. So we really poured what we had into it and what we thought it should be. And that eventually got us a lot more work. Were you guys both um, Star Wars fans ahead of time? Is that a dumb oh, question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a Star Wars fan before the first movie came out. Oh, <laughs> do tell. Uh, I had uh, I spotted the, um, the adaptation, the novel ad- adaptation uh, at in my local comic book store, and I thought, I read the blurb, and I thought it sounded interesting, so I bought it, took it home, read it, and I went, hmm, this is, this is kind of cool, so if they can get even half of what's in the book on the screen, this could be okay. And then I saw the movie, and they got 250% of what was in the book on the screen, and uh, I was sold. Jan, how about you? How did you... Where did you, where did it start with Star Wars for you? Um, well, just uh, uh, some friends and I went to the went to the movie and uh, waited in a great big long line to see it. 
so we knew it had to be good because it was a huge line, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we stayed for that showing, and we got into a later showing, and the next showing there wasn't quite as many people because it was like an 11 o'clock showing. We stayed for that showing. And I think I went back once a week for the entire run um, and stayed through several showings at a time. Yeah. So I was really, uh, really taken by it. The minute those ships went across that screen, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, uh, same thing for me. I mean, first you get blasted with that shot of the music. Then you see the scrawl going across. And I, and I recognize that sort of thing because I knew... I was a big fan of Saturday morning serials, which is obviously where he drew it from. And then you see those two flipping ships. First, the first one, and you know, that's big enough. But then it's being pursued by this gigantic ship, and my jaw bounced off the floor, and I just never looked back. It also came out at a real interesting time. Uh, America Cinema was was dominated by realistic anti-heroes, you know, um, uh, we had just gone through Nixon, so you couldn't trust anybody, and uh, uh, there were no heroes. There were no heroes that you could cheer. And then suddenly, there they were on the screen, you know, and uh, uh, and they would never let you down because of, because the screen was you know the film was the film, and uh, they had this great orchestral score and you know and uh, and incredible visual effects like nothing you had ever seen before. I mean, these days, okay, maybe we're a little bit more used to them, but then there was absolutely nothing like it. That's true. We're very spoiled now uh, as far as special effects go. I mean, the studio didn't expect much of it because that's why they let um, uh, Lucas keep the uh, the merchandising rights. You know, like, um, Because at that time, there was no merchandising done with films, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kept it and, of course, turned that into the cornerstone of his whole financial empire. So uh, uh, and it was out during the summer, and that wasn't really supposed to be the big film-going time. You know, they assumed everybody would be at the beach. Well, it brought him onto the beach and into a nice, cool movie theater and uh, sat him down and took him to a galaxy far, far away. Jan, as an artist, after you saw the movie and were kind of enamored with it, how soon before you started doing uh, Star Wars artwork, just personal things at the time? Well, um, I think, yeah, right around that time, somebody hired me to do a picture of their son with Luke Skywalker with the lightsabers and everything. And um, it was the first Star Wars piece that I did. Um, but I, I didn't, I mean, I did personal projects and things, but I was still, uh, let's see, that was 77, so... I was just going into the Kubert school at that point. That was that summer. Yeah, so I really wasn't drawing um, a lot of comic book stuff or didn't even think about it at that point. I was not a professional, so I was still a student. Yeah, but I did I did pieces, little pieces for people as they wanted them, yeah. One thing that I think is really noteworthy uh, is that when Jan and I got a chance to do our uh our first story, and we introduced the character of Quinlan Voss. Oh, yeah. And uh, and that was right at the time that um, uh, The Phantom Menace had come out. And uh, Jan decided that she wanted to base the look of him on somebody who was in the background of the movie. Right. So you and I went to see um, episode one. Yeah. And Jan spotted somebody <laughs> background of the cafe scene who was on the screen for like maybe a split 
second. <laughs> and she grabbed him and said, that's our Quinlan boss. I never saw him in the movie until years later when I got the DVD and was able to freeze frame it and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, there he is. Jan caught him in a second, mm-hmm. a, uh, a fraction of a second, and there he was. Well, he's standing, sitting there right behind Anakin and Savulba when they're arguing. So how could you miss him, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, how, how did anybody ever miss him? Um, yeah, I remember uh, I was an avid fan of the comics when when they were out, and I was a big fan of Clinton Voss. And I feel like Phantom Menace played in theaters forever back back in 99. And I remember I feel like the comics were – were out and sometime I was I saw Phantom Menace on the big screen. I remember looking in the back and I felt so proud that like I knew a secret thing. Like ah, oh, there he is. There's Quinlan Voss. It's our boy. <laughs> I, this is a question I asked our friend uh, Joe Caroni in an interview a while back. Like I feel like we all have a um, a Yoda, like a special teacher that guided us along in our path and a maybe told us things we didn't know that we could do. Um, I don't know. Whoever wants to go first, did you, did, did either of you have ever have a teacher like that? And what's, what's the story? I had, uh, in, in college, back when I was uh, studying theater, I had a theater teacher by the name of Harold Lang, who was uh, this British uh, actor and teacher who came over for one semester. And I was so lucky that I was one of the ones exposed to him at that point, because among the things that he taught us was that he would say, you have a right to fail. You have a right to try something and have it not work so long as it's an honest effort. Don't be afraid of falling on your face. That's how you learn how to do it. And I had never heard that from anybody before. And uh, so basically the idea is be brave in your choices and don't worry about it. Well, I guess for me, um, you know, if I'm a um, the equivalent of a comic book Jedi, then I guess my Jedi master would have to be Joe Kubert um, because I learned so much. Uh, he guided us all along so well. I mean, all the teachers at the school certainly um, contributed to that, but, but uh, Joe took us on after we graduated, and um, we did stories for him um, specifically for the back of Sergeant Rock. And he would... Uh, um, allow us to come up to his studio and critique our work. Uh, and the lessons we learned there were incredibly valuable. Uh, that's where I really honed my skills as, an, as a comic book artist. When you got a chance working with Dark Horse and Star Wars, how did that, how did that relationship start? How did, how did the doors open to get into Dark Horse there in the, in the late 90s there? Well, I'd known people at Dark Horse for like a long time. You know, I mean, you bounce around in the industry. Uh, sooner or later, you you know just about everybody. And I think I had done some work for them previously. That that went well. Um, and so so they knew who I was when uh, when my old buddy Tim Truman suggested me as a film writer while uh, while he was off and away. And then eventually, after it was finished, uh, uh, he told them that he wasn't coming back. And um, they liked what I did. Uh, at the time, they were doing sort of an anthology version. They would have different artists and writers come in and write one arc, and then somebody else would do another arc. And I said, look, that's great. Whether it's me or somebody else, you should have a regular 
artist and writer team, and you should be working with your own characters. So this is a so this is a place where the the only place where a Star Wars fan can go to get stories about these characters. And I said, so whether it's me or somebody else, that's really what you should be doing in order to build your audience. And they took me at my word, and they decided that Jan and I were uh, geeky enough to uh, uh, to really do Star Wars, and we really are Star Wars geeks. Um, that uh, that they sort of put us into it, and uh, we had a long and wonderful relationship. The characters, uh, being specifically the Quinlan Voss and Ayla Sakura, are still very much beloved. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that is so gratifying to me. Funny story also about Ayla as well. Um, we came up with her. Um, we decided, you know, like, that a, that a Twilic Jedi would be interesting. You know, uh, uh, Twi'leks were simply dancers and kind of sex objects up until then. And in the first story, um, I decided to be dramatic and powerful. We would kill Ayla off at the end of it. Oh, no. And, um, and Jan... Oh, yeah, he wanted to. He oh, wanted yeah. to kill off Ayla. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm a butcher. <laughs> but, it's, but fate intervened. Yes. Well, actually, more importantly, your daughter, Sean, intervened. That's right. And, uh, and Sean was very young at the time, but she she said, but there aren't many female Jedis, and she really liked them. And it, so I went, well, okay, okay, you know, maybe she's right. And, I'm, and she was. And I'm so glad we did that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so funny that, you know, there aren't many female Jedi. And since then, we've had Ahsoka Tano who, and Rey now, which, Amazing characters that have been extremely embraced by the fan base. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys ever like kind of be like, "Hey, you know, we were first. I'd like to think that Ayla kind of started it all. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because she was such. She herself was a compelling character. She was beautiful to begin with, but she was also kickass. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and yeah, and Star Wars was basically a boys' club, and we, you know, I mean, you had. Leia, you know, who could be pretty kick-ass, but that was, she was about all. You know, like, you know, like to have a, a female Jedi, well, come on, that's pretty cool. Yeah, how did, uh, how did it come about that uh, she was going to be in the movie, and how did you guys find out about that? When oh, before? I found, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I found out about that. I was drawing Attack of the Clones, um, and I got a call, um, from Chris Sarasi up at Lucasfilm. He was the editor on the book, and uh, he said, are you sitting down? And I said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, I thought, oh, boy, what's going on now? Did I do a scene wrong? Do I have to redo something? What's going on? He said, guess who's going to be in in uh, episode two? And I was like, I don't know, Chris, who? And he said, Ayla. I was like, okay, it's a good thing I was sitting down. <laughs> And uh, I think, John, I think I called you immediately and, you know, real excited. I was like, yeah, John, guess what? Guess what? You know? Yeah. And I was floored and gratified. I can't imagine. And then uh, she made it into episode three. She was one of the Jedi that we got to see in the Order 66. She was yep. Demon. And they killed her. I know. I mean, they shot her. They shot her down. They kept on <laughs> shooting her when she was down. That's <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> hey, those Jedi had to go. I guess. And wasn't in one early version of uh, Revenge of the Sith, wasn't Quinlan Voss supposed to be there? Like he was in an animatic or something? Apparently they had put him in an animatic. Um, 
uh, enough so that they included him in the uh, the, the um, adaptation for episode three. But then I think there was some changes along the way, and they said, "What the heck? He can survive." So we brought him into new stories. Yeah. Then he kept going. He was in the. Um, He's in Clone Wars as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. So was Attack of the Clones the first uh, movie adaptation that you'd ever done artwork for? Um, yes. But what was that like as far as, was that a lot different than your usual workflow as far as having to, I mean, did you have to match the movie yes. you could or did you, how much flexibility did you have? Well, they gave me a lot of reference. I mean, a, bo- a whole box of reference and I had to sort through it to figure out what belonged to what. Like some of the more sensitive stuff, like uh, even the the death of Anakin's mother that at the time could have been considered spoilers, were they, did they give you anything on that? Uh, I didn't have reference for that. They said it was too sensitive of, a, of a material to send me reference for, so I had to wing it. Oh, wow. So I did. And um, I remember they told me that when they got the, uh, the artwork in, that they were so happy with it that... And it was so close to what they were actually filming that they were a couple of people were crying because they were like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool! It's just like it," you know. So I, I was pretty thrilled to hear that. What was the process like working in the um, in the prequel in the prequel period doing comics in there? What was the approval process like? Was there anything that you guys ever did that got rejected or anything? Hmm. No, I don't think we ever got anything actually rejected. We got notes on things. Yeah. Certainly, but... Um, we had to make changes here and there. But as we went, I mean, uh, Lucasfilm Licensing, which has to approve everything, got to know us and realized that we were big-time Star Wars fans, and uh, and they trusted us. Yeah, we were always willing to make changes where changes were needed, yeah. um, and we were always very... Um, good about keeping secrets we never told anything to anybody as a result you know of their trusting us you know we were we got maybe a little bit more freedom in terms of particularly the you know the stories that we would be proposing Uh, how did the the star wars legacy series how did that come about well we were finishing up on star wars republic um the third film had come out or was about to come out and uh we were looking where to go next and I know for myself, one of the things that I always felt was the prequels and stuff are fine, but for me, what I want to know in a story is, and then what happened? What happens next? Mm-hmm. And also, we were looking for an era where we wouldn't be maybe tripping over continuity as much. So we got the brilliant idea of dropkicking uh, the, uh, the Star Wars stories about what was it, about 100, 150 years down past anything that had been done so, yeah. we, would, so that we could have freedom to, uh, to imagine what the galaxy would look like and who the people would be there. Yeah, because it was a time period that nobody was really allowed to, um, to do anything in. Uh, so we went way past that uh, with the hopes of not um, infringing on anything they wanted to do. One thing I want to mention also along this way is that, uh, because Jan was talking about the reference uh, that she had, and usually when you're doing the movies and stuff like that, you've got this team, this army of uh, people doing all of the design work and research work and what it all means. We had Jan. (laughs) Jan designed it all, you know, and she did it in very short order. 
and she made it all look good. So that's just another point of why Jan was amazing. He's amazing. Well, I did have some help on things for Legacy, though. Um, there were some, uh, they did bring in some people to design ships. Yeah. So I didn't design all the ships for Legacy. Um, but uh, but the characters and uh, the settings and everything, yeah, they were all mine. Do you guys have such great chemistry, even like just listening to you, just small talk here? Like, what? how do you guys click so well together? I know that's a hard thing to kind of answer, but like, what do you think it is? A lot of working together, a lot of experience. I mean, we worked on the Star Wars um, books for about, what, 14 years, John? Yeah, about that. Yeah. And we've known each other, you know, I mean. Yeah. You know, like, um, we've been in, in each other's kitchens. You know, like we shared food <laughs> together, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I watched her kids yep. literally grow up. Yep. You know, and we shared good times, bad times. Mm-hmm. So we're friends. And that, and we have a shared passion for Star Wars. You know, so uh, I think that all goes into it. You know, like, and we just understand how each other works and we can pitch things to each other in such a way that maybe appeals to our, uh, the different strengths and stuff. And, and we just wind up respecting what each other does. Another, yeah, what was it like since it, when you were working on Legacy, it was kind of like the movies were done as far as everybody knew. And you were kind of you know working on the comics were kind of almost the future at that point. And then when you found out that they were selling Lucasfilm to Disney and there was going to be new movies, kind of what did, how did you feel as Star Wars fans when you heard that news? Well, I I certainly was happy to to like see more movies and stuff like that. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, but at the same time, I'm not worried in terms of the impact that Jan and I have had. You know, uh, I know that the continuity per se has changed, but that was always a risk. You know, when we went into it, we were told you know that we had freedom to do a lot of things. But if George Lucas was going to do something else, he was he was not going to be bound by our continuity. So we knew that from the start. And and as a result, you know, my work is still out there. You know, people can read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm proud of it. And uh, uh, and I'm interested to see what happens next. Yeah, I think we still have a lot of fans for Legacy and Dawn of the Jedi and for Republic. Um, and I don't I don't think that kind of thing ever goes away for people because I a lot of the things I read, um, a lot of the novels and short stories probably aren't in um, complete continuity any, anymore. But for me, they're still, they still resonate. They still um, are great stories, and uh, I, I love them. So it doesn't change just because they say something's not continuity anymore. It doesn't mean you don't like it anymore. Right, right. Well, and one thing I wonder about, too, now with everything going digital and uh, the Marvel Unlimited basically has all the old Dark Horse stuff, like are you seeing that there's more... Uh, interest in some of the older work because it's so easily accessible to people now that they can kind of go back and read these stories that they either missed or you know some of the fans were too young to read them when they came out the first time that's a good question i haven't been to a lot of conventions and i think that's where you'd normally hear about something like this um and i haven't been on any of the star wars message boards in a while but i suppose that it is bringing a whole new generation of readers into these stories which is amazing one of the things I've noticed at the conventions that I have been to, uh, and that I love seeing, is um, you, you have all the cosplayers mm-hmm. um, around, and to see how many girls around eight, nine, and ten are dressed up as Ray—that's that's just delightful, you know. And that that's a new generation 
of Star Wars, and they're dressing as their hero. And I just think that that's so cool. It's yeah, it's a new generation of fans, and this is you know as we grew up with Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Han Solo, that you know they're going to grow up with Ray and Finn and Poe Dameron, and that's fantastic. Everyone loves Ray, and I have a, a small son, and he thinks Ray's cool too. So it's I think it's everybody love, loves loves yeah. new characters. Yeah, I think it's a master. It's great. What'd you do? I bypassed the compressor. There are a lot of comic fans, um, Star Wars fans, uh, myself included, that would um, would love to see you guys back um, writing and drawing Star Wars again. If it's, if Marvel called you tomorrow and was like, let's come back to Star Wars and you can do anything you want in the new canon out there, where would you go? I guess where they want, would want us. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um... <laughs> I'd like to do a... Uh... I had an idea for a Han Solo story in between uh, uh, just around the time of uh, Empire Strikes Back when they're all on Hoth. I had a, what I thought was a pretty good idea for a Han Solo story, so I would probably like to do that. Um, and in the meantime, uh, for those who are big fans of our work in Star Wars, Jan and I are also doing something else in space. That's our own creation. And that, in fact, right now, you know, it's a Kickstarter out there. And uh, it's called Hexer Dusk. And uh, uh, it's going to be really, really cool. If we have Star Wars fans listening to this, if you're a fan of Star Wars and that kind of storytelling, uh, how, how, would, how would they like the new, your new work? Um, well, I think one of the things we we bring to something like this is that same kind of vibe that we brought to Star Wars. Um, I'm, we're not trying to do an imitation of what we did before or anything like that. <coughs> but I think when you're working um, with a team, you, there's a certain kind of storytelling that you do and a certain kind of um, certain beats that you hit with a story that really make, that really resonate with fans. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to do with Hex or Dusk. Um, it's a science fiction uh, story, and um, it's got uh, some fantasy elements, some magic elements, some um, monsters, creatures, and aliens. Um, we love monsters that. and creatures and aliens. We do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who doesn't, right? I love creatures and aliens. It's some of my favorite Star Wars stuff. Um, there's nothing better than drawing a rancor, you know. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. We did a whole story based upon based around a rancor being in a ship you know? <laughs> <laughs> with Obi Wan and Asajj Ventress. It was great. Um, one of my favorite panels I ever drew was this uh, Obi Wan hiding behind some kind of a, a, a clear tank with a rancor behind it, kind of trying to see him. You know, it's it's like one of the favorite things I've ever drawn. So, yeah, so creatures, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I totally went crazy. You said creatures, and I went crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. <laughs> so, anyways, we got a, uh, we do have a Kickstarter up. Uh, it's not completed yet, um, so we are still looking for more support that way. So if people want to go over and take a look at it and see if they think it looks interesting and would like to support it, uh, then it will become a reality. Um, and we're hoping that it will. How can they? So, what, what's the address? Where can they look it up? How can they find out more if they go online? Um, well, one thing, they, and the easiest way is to go to Kickstarter 
and look up Hexer Dusk. Um, but the other thing they can do if they want to get to it uh, is go to www.hexerdusk.com, and there'll be links on that um, website to the Kickstarter. It'll also give you a look at some of the art, which is just knockout stuff, and uh, give you a real flavor. Um, how many pages do we have up now? Um, uh, I think we have nine pages up. Okay. Nine pages to read for free, so even if you... Uh, you know, you don't know if you'll like it. You can get a, a taste for it and, and see if it's something you'd like. We have a bunch of um, character sketches up and um, character profiles on the website and on the Kickstarter. Lots of cool rewards that they can um, they can get. And even you can be a character in the comic book. Whoa. Um, get or get a sketch from me, uh, a trading card size sketch or a six by nine sketch. We're offering those, um, but I think being a character would be pretty cool because there's there's some cool characters in there. Now a lot of them are going to be red shirts, you know, but um, it's fun to be a red shirt in a, in a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, being being eaten by a monster is probably a good way to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, the best way. <laughs> and there'll be it's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Get That's eaten. Go. Uh, and I'll have, I'll have links to everything in the, the episode show notes, too. So if you're listening on, like, iTunes or something, just click the show description, and there'll be links to everything on there. You said that, you know, uh, early in your career you had worked on Suicide Squad. How are your thoughts on uh, now that that's being made into a movie? Like, how does that make you feel? Oh, I'm very excited about it. You know, um, uh, when I watched, you know, I, I haven't seen anything more than any of the rest of you. I've seen the trailers. But uh, to see Amanda Waller, who I had created um, uh, for the comic book, to uh, see her as you know, as Viola Davis has her looking, and right there you go, God, Viola Davis, a great actress, and she's playing Amanda Waller, and the things she was saying in it could have been taken straight out of the comic. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Return of the Jedi. The Skywalker's attack. The walking, fighting Skywalker prepares to attack. This great Star Wars model has walking action. Push button controls to stand and attack. Swivel head, movable side cannons. The Skywalker can fight his own battles, win his own wars. But will he? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. Uh, favorite Star Wars movie? Easy. It's for me. It's got to be uh, the first one, you know, because that's the one that brought me into all of it. You know, that's where they took my brain and shot it into orbit. For me, it's Empire Strikes Back. Uh, favorite background droid? Mm. Oh, IG eighty eight. Oh yeah. I like those little mouse type things that get scared in the first. <laughs> Best hair in the Star Wars saga? Leia. On. I really like his sideburns in the first one. Yeah. He didn't, they weren't bushy in Empire. Favorite John Williams piece of Star Wars music? Oh, wow. I think Vader's theme. Yeah, the Empire uh, March. Yeah, Imperial March. Yeah, that's just, um, I mean, there's so many good pieces of music, but that's so iconic. Uh-huh. Uh, what color would your lightsaber be? Oh, 
Green. Mm. I've thought about that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say plaid, but I don't Uh, think that works. You you can do plaid. I think, no, I think, you know, it's 2016. I think they could make a plaid lightsaber work. Yeah. Okay, then I'll go with plaid. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Best last, or your favorite last scene in the Star Wars saga? For me, I think it would probably be uh, Return of the Jedi, because that, is what brings everything up, particularly after they rewrote the music. I think probably the end of A New Hope. Something about that ending that just has so much, I don't know, so much going for it. I, it, I don't know, just so much promise of new things, you know? Clone troopers or stormtroopers? Stormtroopers. Stormtroopers. Okay. Gabe, how about you on that one? You know me, I like the, I like the attack of the clones, clone troopers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong with me, but they're my favorite. <laughs> favorite pod racer? Sebulba. He always wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd have to go with Sebulba, too. What a great character, right? <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Sebulba oh, yeah. doesn't get enough credit out there. Yeah. He doesn't get enough love. We should do a whole episode about Sebulba. Maybe we will. <laughs> um, yeah, we might. <laughs> <laughs> we can have you guys up back, back, back on his guest. Jan, John, guess what? You're, you got to talk to us about Sebulba for an hour. Um, uh, what was your was your favorite pieces from the the vast past or current expanded universe? I, I think probably that first chapter, Broken, okay. um, was one of my absolute favorite comics I've ever done. I think in terms of the comics, the one... Uh, I like best simply because it was such a great fake out was uh, where we revealed the real uh, uh, identity of of Nina Cord. Yeah. Of Nina Calixti. Yeah. Yeah. Of Nina Calixti. Yeah. Yeah. As Morgan Cord, right? Yeah. So uh, I like that. In terms of other things, um, I do like the Thrawn trilogy. Mm. In terms of the novels, although I have to say that the adaptation, I think it was Matt Stover who did of the uh, 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 Revenge of the Sith of of Episode Three, mm-hmm. uh, I thought was outstanding. He really added so much to it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was a good mm-hmm. one. I also really liked his uh, Shatterpoint novel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Hey, I have a question since we're talking about other kind of other people's stuff, and it's something you guys are involved with, with as well. well. How did you feel about the Star Wars Tales series? Because honestly, that was one of my favorite Star Wars comics because it was so all over the place, where there was, you know, kind of serious, normal stories and then just really out there, wacky stuff. And I know you guys did some work in a few of those. Because how did you feel about that? Well, I think there's a real place for anthologies. Uh, of all kinds uh, in the literature. And uh, that doing an anthology gives a, a flavor of the length and breadth of the, uh, of the field, of, the, of Star Wars itself. We did one of our first stories for that, wasn't it? The Deal with the Demon? The yeah. Billy story? Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I liked those short stories in there. They were a lot of fun and gave you an opportunity to do something you wouldn't normally do in a Star Wars comic. I think to find other characters you might not normally see. So that was really fun. And of course, for me, anytime I get a chance to work with Billy, you know, I guess 
it's magic for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, are you guys, um, other than doing the Kickstarter, are you doing any Comic-Cons or any personal appearances anytime in the future? Or? I'm doing one in Houston next month. I forget the exact date. Okay. And I'm doing the uh, Garden State Comic Fest in July. Awesome. And aside from the Kickstarter, if folks want to look you guys up online, how, how would they go about doing that? I'm on Facebook, so I'm not hard to find there, I think. Yeah, I'm there too, and I, I have a, a website as well, um, jandorsma.com. There'll be links to everything in the show notes. And yeah, I encourage everyone to check out the Kickstarter and, I mean, yeah, get eaten by a monster. Show up in the comic. How awesome is that? <laughs> and not only do they get to be eaten by a monster or show up in the comic, but I will do a sketch of them as their character. That's part of the deal, too. That's cool. Can't beat part it. Part of that same one. Can't beat it. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jan and John, thank you so much for your time tonight. Um This has been great. It's been really great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, seriously, how great were Jan and John? I really can't thank them enough for that great interview. And I really encourage all of you to go check out uh, their Kickstarter for Hex or Dusk. Check out their sites. And if you're on that, um, that Marvel Comics app, read some of their back issues if you haven't already. Check out Republic, Legacy, Dawn of the Jedi. You really can't go wrong. It's all great stuff. So Gabe is going to be back next week, and we're going to be talking about all the usual stuff. And if everything goes according to plan, we're also going to have the first ever Qui-Gon-a-thon, a whole celebration of one of our favorite Jedi Masters ever, and one of the most important characters in the Star Wars universe, Qui-Gon Jinn. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that one. In the meantime, you can talk to us over on Twitter. Blast underscore points is where you'll find us. You should like our Blast Points Facebook page. Just look up Blast Points on Facebook and we'll come right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and you can read my Star Wars writings and weekly Clone Wars recaps over at doomrocket.com. So on behalf of Blast Points, this is Jason saying, May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Sometimes there's just no stopping him.